welcome to the Text in Us podcast. My name is George Fricks. I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host, L. Grover Fricks, to talk to you about Genesis chapter 3. Yep, that's where we're at. Uh, keep sending in your questions as they occur. Um, like I said, we'll have an episode coming up in a bit um, to cover those questions. But here we go. Genesis chapter 3. The snake was the most cunning of all the living beings of the field that Yahweh God made. He said to the woman, Did God really say, Do not eat of any tree of the garden? The woman said to the snake, From the fruits of the trees of the garden we may eat. From the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God said that we may not eat of it or touch it, or we will die. The snake said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that on the day that you two eat from it, both of your eyes will be opened, and you will become like spiritual beings, experientially knowing good and violence. The woman saw that the tree was good for eating, for it was desirable to the eyes. The tree was pleasurable for the gaining of insight. She took from the fruit ate it, and gave it also to her man who was with her. He ate. The eyes of the two of them were opened, and they experientially knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves and made belts for themselves. The Shema'u, the voice of Yahweh God, walking in the garden in the wind of the day. The person and his woman hid from the presence of Yahweh God in the midst of the tree of the garden. Yahweh God called out to the person and said to him, Where are you? He said, I shamad your voice in the garden, and I trembled, for I am naked, and I hid. He said, Who told you that you are naked? From the tree that I commanded you not to eat, you ate? The person said, The woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me to eat of the tree. Yahweh God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The snake deceived me, and I ate. Yahweh God said to the snake, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the silent ones, more than all the living beings of the field. On your belly you shall walk and eat dust all the days of your life. Enmity is between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will crush your head, and you will crush his heel. To the woman, he said, Greatly I increase your suffering and your pregnancy. In suffering you will give birth to sons. To your man you shall stretch out, but he shall rule you. To the person, he said, Because you shamad the voice of your woman and ate from the tree about which I commanded you and said, Do not eat from it, the ground is cursed because of you. In pain you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you shall eat the glistening things of the field. By the sweat of your nose you shall eat bread until you return to the ground. From the dust you were taken, and to the dust you will return. The person called the name of his woman Chava, life, for she was the mother of all living. Yahweh God made tunics of hide for the person and his wife, and he clothed them. Yahweh God said, As the person has become like one from us, experiencing good and violence, now he must not send out his hand and take from the tree of the life and eat and live for eternity. 
Yahweh God sent him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He cast out the person and settled Keruvim and the flaming whirling sword at the east of the garden of Eden to guard the path of the tree of the life. Thanks be to God. Okay. Um, so uh, kind of like last time, I'm going to continue with this structure of splitting up the chapter just to help keep us organized. Sounds good. And so for those of you listening, the first section I'm going to look at is uh, verses 1 through 7. And that just covers the uh, introduction of the snake and the uh, eating of the fruit. Um, So uh, diving into that, my first question uh, comes from the middle of that section. And it is about this phrase, you will become like spiritual beings. And I find that fascinating because it's very different in my mind than you will become like God. God, spiritual beings. Um, what's going on there? What's going on there? Tell me about the language behind that. Why is it different? Right. Uh, yeah. So I love, um, shout out to the Bible project. They've got an awesome video on, um, the different kinds of spiritual beings. Um, and this is the, uh, word Elohim. Um, so it's like spiritual beings because it's like Elohim. I think they make a great case over there um, that Elohim is not just like one of the names of God, though okay. it is, but it's uh, it's being used there as a title um, for something that God is, but it includes angels and other things. We know from Psalm 8 that we're created a little bit lower than the Elohim. Lots mm. of times it'll be translated angels when it's convenient for the um, translators to do so. Okay. But I want to um, just keep it. It's a different word than angel, but it's not uh, gods. That would be Elim. So it has a hey in it. Um, but yeah, it says that uh, it'll be like something that we already are like, right? According to Hebrews, according to um, the Psalms, we already are like spiritual beings. And so it's a bummer. It's part of the uh, the enemy, or here anyway, the snake strategy is to try yeah. to entice us into thinking that we don't have something that we already have, which of course that's different if you say like God. So. Right, right. Okay, so moving forward, the next line there includes the tree was pleasurable for the gaining of insight. Mm-hmm. And normally we would see gaining of wisdom, and wisdom and insight, at least in my mind, are not the same. Right. Um, I'm assuming there's a difference in the Hebrew between insight and wisdom. Yeah, there definitely is. There's lots of words around the words for knowledge, um, just like we have knowledge, insight, intelligence. Um, okay. They have those words too. So hacham would be the word for wisdom usually. Um, bina sometimes is what we translate understanding. And Judaism makes a big deal about bina is feminine and hacham is um, masculine. And so there's something that you can play with there. But um, this word uh, is sakal or sakal, depending on, you know, uh, what form it's in. And it's kind of like being prudent because uh, everybody loves that name doesn't take you right back to the puritans right <laughs> um being circumspect is what strong says which he who even knows what that means 
um, these days. Um, but it's being able to look at something. Mm. Um, that's what we see in the Arabic and in the, um, uh, in the Babylonian. It's being able to look at something and make good observations about it. Okay. Um, and so that's why I translated their understanding. Right. No, it makes sense. I mean, the first thing they did with this New Gains Insight is said, boy, we're naked. Yes, they did look <laughs> and have some new observations. Right. That's true. Yes. Their insight check just got a Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they had some inspiration there. The next thing that happens is she takes the fruit and gives it also to her man who is mm. with her. Yes. And you've uh, included her man instead of something like the man we've already talked about the man the something uh being specific phrasing right and so uh it would make sense that here where you've translated her man there's obviously reason behind man being a possessive yes it has a tense. possessive suffix on it so if you take my class um in the beginning quarter you learn all about possessive suffixes and that's what we have here so there is no word for husband and maybe for wife we have one word in yeshiahu and isaiah that maybe is the word for wife all other times all throughout tanakh it is always just uh man and woman with mm. a possessive um to indicate the bond of marriage right. yeah right yes uh which is equitable right, right. uh it's not um her man and then or just his woman and then you know husband it's just her man and his woman so right yeah good okay so last observation here uh, the eyes were opened and they experientially knew that they were naked. This kind of links back to what I just talked about with the gaining of insight, but I like that uh, continuing with our theme of the tree of the experience of good and violence. Mm -hmm. Here we have them experientially knowing that right. they were naked. Right, which we talked about the word yada is what we're translating there um, for experientially know, and that's also linked to sight. So mm -hmm. it all makes sense. It right. all comes together for us. Right. Again, by the way, still just wild being in the story. Like, you know, I know this story is all about the insertion of shame for the first time, the human experience and everything, mm -hmm. but it's still pretty entertaining um, to imagine. And I know it's supposed to be a somber story, but. You know, just be weird to be surprised. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> good heavens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, section two uh, I have here is looking at verses eight through 19. Mm -hmm. uh, the very first observation I have is um, you've left a word here untranslated. Uh, I have. And it's right at the beginning of this section. They shema'u, the voice of God. Yes, so the word shma um, means to both hear or listen and obey. Um, they go together. There's a word just for regular. Oh, yeah, I heard it on the street, the blah, blah, blah. That's linked to the word just for ear. So it's a more intensive form of hearing, mm -hmm. and it implies that there is also obedience happening. Um, and you know, there's different ways that you can choose to translate. Um, I could put a slash in there. Uh -huh. There's just no English equivalent other right. than hear slash or hear hyphen obey. Um, and so I chose to leave it untranslated, partially because it's a famous, you know, pretty famous word. And 
when you get into Christian biblical studies, lots of people or some people know about Shema. So um, I chose to leave it in there rather than doing something more right. clunky, at least to me. Right. Okay. Um, and then something that just caught my eye as I was looking at this. Mm, ba, ba, ba. Um, I mean, it's only somewhat exciting. Okay. <laughs> uh, is, is this next sentence uh, uh, that they hid in the midst of the tree of the garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that sounds to me like they're hiding in the tree. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm looking at it. It says within for sure. Betoch is within, like God will dwell in the midst of his people. That's right. betoch. So yeah, they might have climbed up in there. Right. Because it's not plural. It's not etzim or etze. Again, it's just the tree. They're hiding inside the tree. Yeah. No, I think that's super interesting, pulling a Zacchaeus here. And God's like, what are you guys doing up there? Mm-hmm. Don't you know that I'm going to your house to have a party? Right. <laughs> That's so good, George. Okay. Well, I will leave that there then. Okay. The next thing that I see here is kind of an imagery choice that you've made. Uh, I shamed your voice in the garden and I trembled for I am naked. Mm -hmm. We normally see uh, I was afraid because I was naked. Right. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of different words for fear, um, which I don't know, makes sense in the bronze age or iron age or whenever you want to date this Uh to um and i guess there are in english too worry anxiety you know so this is a trying to be imaged based when we talk about our different kinds of fear so this one um is the yare which is used all the time the fear of the lord that's a it's a tremble it's a shaking so it's a physicalized embodied word and so i just wanted to contain that in my translation right so is there a root connection then between the different ways that we translate fear when we look at the the hebrew um i mean they're all embodied words versus our words are more you know focusing on mental processes in english um so there's one that's like writhed which is obviously more intense than tremble right has more of a pain connection in my mind yeah yeah um yeah so they're usually having to do with with that concept good question Okay. Yeah, no, it just made me think of it because, like, if you think about passages that say something like fear and trembling. Right. Right. Is it, those are two different words that we've translated. Do they tend to be the same word in the Hebrew? Or are there two different words that are related to each other that we translate fear and trembling? Um, I think they're two different words. They're not connected in root. Okay. They're just like we have all these words for circling, um, circle dance, circle turnover, circle like a camel cooling off in the sand. Okay. We've got a lot of circle words. We've got a lot of joy words. We've got a lot of fear words. And they all have different roots. And so they're all unconnected, but they're um, just there for the gotcha. richness of the language. Right. So to clarify, the word trembled here. Is that a image-based choice, or is the Hebrew word here connected to trembling? Both. Both. All right. There we have it. It is <laughs> <Dear>. both. <laughs> okay, so jumping down a little bit, we have this line, to your man you shall stretch out, but he shall rule you. And this mm-hmm. is the passage on the curse given to woman. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about that phrase, you shall stretch out. There's an image there of somebody reaching out. Right. Right. Yeah, it's the word teshuka. Okay. Uh, and it's from shuk, uh, which just means to stretch out after. Um, it's actually used for 
overflowing water so like water that's spilling out across the countertop if your glass tips over um so it's this kind of running after picture Hmm. the water that's going 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 towards the edge of your cabinet and you try to catch it before it gets there okay that's woman longing to be seen by man longing to be included longing to be cared for all of those things um right is that that similar to like when David in the Psalms is saying, my cup overflows. Um, There are also different abundance words. Sometimes it's uh, linked to Shiva, which means seven, right? So there's lots of options. I would have to look at that specific. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, And then the last thing from this section uh, is with Adam's portion. Um, It says, by the sweat of your nose, you shall eat bread. Um, yeah, in my head, I definitely had to keep myself from giggling when I read that because I was thinking, <laughs> mm, get that bread, but uh, not uh, <laughs> befitting the solemnity of the text. Right. Um, but I uh, I haven't looked. I feel like normally that would be the sweat of your brow. Right. Right. Yeah, that's just, I don't know. We don't like Nuance. nose for some reason, but right. um, off off his nose. It's what we get for anger. Right. It's the nose word off off his nose. Right. I sing it to our son all the time when I do. Right. Well, and maybe there's a purpose behind nose and that is connected to a, a sort of frustration. Right. Yeah, maybe. That's a good idea. Um, um, in relation to tilling the soil and trying to get food to grow. Right. So. Right. Um, also, one thing that you might not quite catch is um, you'll return to the dust of the earth right? Dust of the ground. That's Adama again. So he's speaking to Adam, Ha'adam, the person. Hmm. And here you'll return to Ha'adama, which is interesting. It's also okay. the first mention of return whenever we use it in repentance language. Right. It's calling back to this death image, which is kind of, um, you know, metal. <laughs> if you want to make the argument, you could be like, repent. And every time you say repent, Every time you say return, you're thinking about how you're going to die. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Our third and final section, we have, again, a word from the Hebrew that you've left in there, um, but also translated. And, uh, I mean, normally in our English translations, we would have Eve. Oh. mm -hmm. Right? Uh, And you have uh, Chava'ah. I do. Which is translated as life. Yep. Um, so tell me, how do we get Chava and Eve being, I'm assuming that might be part of a, a, a crossover from Latin? Oh, you mean the transliteration? Why? Yeah. How are those linked? Yeah, great question. Um, so we are, you know, snotty little colonists who don't want to have to learn how to say other people's languages and our language doesn't have a ha in it and so we take it out our language doesn't have an ah sound in it and so we change them to g's so just like gamora is actually amora we just don't want to say it um here eve definitely is not her name it's chava um, and there's plenty of people named Chava in Yisrael. Right. Yes. Uh, so it's just like, well, if you take the Ha sound, you're left with Ava. So, right. Which Ava is the, uh, just another version of Eve. So, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, and then 
Yahweh God sent him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Two things in this line that I thought were interesting. The first off is that it only mentions him. Right. <laughs> uh, which I thought was bizarre. I was like, what? The ladies got to stay in the garden. You heard right. it here first. Well, their first. cup is overflowing. Right. So. We get to keep sipping on our margaritas around right. the tree of the life. No. Right. Um, I mean, it is super interesting. I think it's... I think two things. One, they're putting the onus on the man, right? In this Mm -hmm. patriarchal culture in which this story was written, it is the man's responsibility um, to be the caretaker and leader of his household. And Uh so, you know, right or wrong. And so... I mean, it's part of the curse. Right. Um, It's it's about him being chucked out um, Mm -hmm. and his household is now something that goes with him rather than them having equality. Equality existed before the fall and now we see it diminish. Um, The other way you can put that, of course, is the Midrash that I um, mentioned last week, if you're not familiar. Um, One of the Midrashim about the way that creation happened and why it's twice, there's two accounts, right? Mm-hmm. One in Genesis 1, one in Genesis 2, right. is that um, the first time God created an androgynous person, those female on one half and on, like on one side of the person and then male on the other side. And then uh, later he split them down the middle. Mm. <laughs> so uh, fascinating. Um, I wouldn't get too wrapped up in, I don't think that's the point, but you know this that midrash kind of calls out from this if well he cast the person out right. he cast both sides right. out because um you know it takes two it takes two um to make one right in biblical logic so right. the two parts of the whole are united and they're being chucked out or birthed out as right. uh, my colleagues would right. say yeah um no that's that's insightful um and then the second part of that is we have Garden of Eden here, mm-hmm. and um, this one is specifically Garden of Eden, where previously it was Garden in Eden. Right, right. So what if, George, I know you're about to say something, but what if before your theory is still true and the whole world was luxurious delight, the mm-hmm. whole earth and there was a garden in it, what if because the earth gets cursed because of what the person did? that Eden shriveled potentially to just being inside the garden. And so now it's yeah. the garden of Eden because it's the only place that's still luxurious delight left right. over. I like that. Out of it. I like that. And you have that change because of the, the fall. Yeah. Right. Right. No, that's good. Yeah. That and, is good. And then we have the Keruvim. I presume that's what you're about to ask me about next. Uh, I am. I was going to point out for those still uh, thinking about the man being cast out, Hmm. this next line again states the same thing. He cast out the man and settled uh, Keruvim in the flaming whirling sword. Um, But yeah, so we have Keruvim, another Mm -hmm. untranslated word. uh, And normally we would have angels, but it's not the same angel uh, Elohim word that was used before, obviously. 
Right. Actually, you probably, if you do your cross-referencing, you probably have cherubim here. That's the same word. It's mm-hmm. just, again, we like our cha sounds, evidently. Sure, chera, keru. Right. So yeah. th- it, that's what that word is. Um, fascinatingly, we aren't sure what cherubim comes from out of any of our other languages. So mm. there's two theories. The one is keruv if you spell it with a kof rather than a kaf, um, which makes generally the same sound. Um, that's the word for drawing near. Okay. So like I drew near to the altar to give my sacrifice. Um, and so one theory is that it's spelled differently for an unknown reason, but it's the spiritual beings that are near to the throne of God. Okay. Uh-huh. The second idea is uh Keruv is the word Rachav, but switched in order, right? If you can hear Keruv, Rachav. Right, the K and the R. Right, if you trade those, it's the word for like chariots, um, for riding something. It's the word that you would use for the tram in Jerusalem. Um, And so another possibility is it's like, you know, when we think of the Elijah story, Eliyahu going up to heaven, he has these fiery chariots. So it's like God's divine celestial animals that pull his chariot in this, you know, Mesopotamian type um, imagery. So either of those are interesting. I'm not completely compelled by them because why isn't it spelled with a kof if it's the first one? And why is it, you know, switch, switcherood if it's the second one? Right. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully someone will unearth some manuscript at some point that will enlighten us. Or if you know, if you happen to a uh, listener at home, happen to know, oh, actually it's from blah, blah, blah. Email me. I'd love to find out. So yeah. great. Yeah, they've got dope swords, though. <laughs> uh, they apparently do, flaming and whirling. So indeed, great. Okay, well, thanks for listening. Yeah, this has been the Texting Us podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, we just covered chapter three. So yep, send in uh, your questions. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for chapter four, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible. All right you know, short of Jesus. Okay. (laughs) Have a good week, guys. Bye.